Well, welcome. It is so good to see you all here this morning. We have been so blessed lately with so many visitors. Uh, for you all who are visiting with us, thank you so much for being here. And I know it's been said before, but let me just say again, if you have any questions or concerns or anything about anything you see here or, or whatever, please catch me after services, grab one of our elders, grab anybody and somebody will direct you to somebody who can answer your question. But if, like I said, if you have any questions, don't leave your questions unanswered. Let us know what, what, what you want to know. Uh, just a reminder for our, our congregation here, there are still tables out here for you to sign up for our care groups. You still have time. We have the, the, there are dinner groups, Bible study groups, service groups, restoration groups, and outreach groups, five different types of groups. Sign up on the list, whatever list you sign up. That's not the group you're in. That's just letting us know what group, what type of group you want to be in. We have several, several signed up already, more for dinner and Bible study groups, which is kind of what we figured. But feel free to sign. If you have any questions about that, catch me, catch Zach Russell or catch Perry Pruitt or John Mendiola or grab somebody. We'll, we'll answer your questions about care groups as well. But you have still can sign up today and we'll, we'll get you plugged in. We hope to get that started after the first of the year. <clears throat> well, guys, I want to ask you a question and I'm going to ask you because I can relate to you only. So it kind of makes sense. Uh, have you ever been... You're getting ready for the big party, or maybe it's the big office party, or maybe it's just getting ready for church, or you're getting ready for something where you're supposed to dress nicely, and you, you get all ready, and you think you're looking good, and you check yourself in the mirror, and you come down, and you're like, all right, I got it. I am there. I'm ready to go. You got your hair all fixed, and in this guy's case, whatever. Uh, but then maybe it's your wife, maybe it's your sister, maybe it's a girlfriend, your mom, maybe it's just maybe one of your buddies looks at you and you hear those wonderful, great words. Is that what you're wearing? And you know the response to that, right? You know you bow up. No. You go upstairs, you change clothes. You ask, what should I wear? In Matthew chapter 22, if you go ahead and turn there in your Bibles, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus tells a story about a banquet. And in this story, he talks about wearing the right clothes. He talks about wearing the wrong clothes and some of the results from that. It's, it's, it's kind of an interesting parable because it doesn't have really a pleasant ending. But in this parable, he talks about what, what you should wear, what, how you should show up to this invitation. And I think from this, from this parable, I think we can learn some lessons about grace. I think we can learn some lessons about where our hope should be. You know, the, the greatest gift given to humanity is the opportunity to have our sins taken care of, is to have God take care of, erase our sins, count, not count our sins against us. At this time of year, we hear so much about Jesus coming to the earth. And, and it, that's, that it, it, it's, it's amazing. Just to even think about that is amazing. And, and we hear about the little town of Bethlehem and we hear about a way in a manger and all that. And that's, that's important and all that matters. But when we think about it, even in some of the hymns we sing, we sing about God's amazing grace and, and, and what that means to us. And in, in one of our hymns, we even ask the question, why did that happen? Why did our Savior come to earth? 
Why, and, and that, I mean, we could spend a whole lesson just answering that question, but that song that we sing answers that question. What's the answer? Because he loved us so. When we examine God's amazing grace and, and the answer to this question, why did Jesus come to earth? The answer is, is his love. The answer is it, it was because of his grace. But I think it's important for us to understand that His love and His grace are expressed to us in His invitation to come and accept that offer. I think it's important that we remember that it is in that invitation where our hope lies. The, the fact that God says, come and take this, that is grace defined is that God sets everything up for us, takes care of all of our problems, takes care of the major problem, the sin problem, and says, just come and get it. It's right here waiting for you. That is the picture of God's grace. We need to remember that that grace, that invitation to God, to partake in God's grace, has been extended to everyone, to all people. But we also have to remember that God does set the terms of that invitation. And that God expects us to conform to, to those terms, to the terms of, of his invitation. So this morning, I want us to look through this parable in Matthew chapter 22. And I want us to kind of tear apart the parable itself for just a couple minutes. And then I want us to draw some lessons from the parable. Some lessons that apply to us today, 2,000 years later, okay? So open your Bibles again, if you would, if you haven't yet, to Matthew chapter 22. And let's look at the message of this parable. Matthew chapter 22 begins like this. The first three verses says, Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables. The kingdom of heaven, he says, is like a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to summon those invited to the banquet, but they didn't want to come. Again, verse 4. Let's read verse 4 too. Again, he sent out other servants and said, Tell those who are invited, See, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted, fattened cattle have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Okay. So we have an interesting situation here. This is really similar to the parable Luke records in Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. But we have some interesting di differences in, in this parable. The, the, the reason I think Jesus uses these wedding banquet or these big feast type parables is because it's relatable. Because the, the common people that Jesus talks to, they, they see these big banquets happening. And what he's going to tell them is that everybody's invited to this one. But I'm getting ahead of myself. What he says here is that this is, you've probably never been, maybe you have, but I'm assuming many of you have never been to a royal Jewish wedding in Jerusalem. Maybe I'm wrong. But what's interesting about this is in, especially in Jesus' day, the way this worked is the master of the house, in this case the king, would send out what amounted to a two-stage invitation. He would send out the invitation ahead of time, and say, hey, we're having this big wedding feast for my son. You're invited. Let me know. So those people who wanted to come would RSVP. They'd say, yes, we'll be there on 
Saturday the 19th or whatever it was. We'll be there. Well, then on the day of the feast, the king would send the servants back out and say, okay, it's time to go. That's what we're seeing here. These people have already said, we'll be there. So the king's like, go get those people. They said they were coming. They said they were going to be here. But for some reason, the people say, you know, it looks like a cool party, but I'm I'm not going to do it. For whatever reason, a lot of these people say, I'm just too busy today now. In fact, look at verse 5. Verse 5, it says, But they paid no attention and went away to his own farm, another to his own business. So what are the people showing the king? Some, some translations use the expression, they made light of the invitation. They had already said they were coming. And then they changed their mind. They were indifferent. They just went on with business as usual. They just decided they couldn't make it that day for whatever reason. Now, I just want to stop here for just a second because I, I, I want to make a, a connection with us or for us between us and God. Can you imagine how the, I mean, I know this is a story Jesus is telling, but can you imagine how the, how the king would feel here? You, have you ever felt that way? You, you made plans for something. Maybe, maybe you've been a Bible class teacher. You've worked on your Bible class for the week and you get to class here already and nobody shows up. You're like, <clears throat> maybe you make plans with some friends or something. Hey, everybody, let's get together this time. We'll all go and do this. And one by one, they say, ah, I can't make it. Or maybe you prepared a meal at home for your family. Nobody shows up. Everybody's busy doing other things. You're sitting there eating by yourself. You know how that feels, right? It's a little frustrating. It can make you angry a little bit. It can be a little bit depressing. I think that's where this king is. It's like, you all, you all said you were coming. And now nobody's showing up. I think we can relate to this feeling, right? This is, this is a feeling of rejection. That's what it is. And I think that's where this king is sitting. But it gets worse. Look at verses 6 through 8. These people, the same people, some of them went about their business. But listen, verse 6, while the rest, some other people, they seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. Now, okay, this sounds ridiculous, right? Guy comes to invite you to a party and you kill him. Okay, bad. it's a bad party. Verse 7, the king was enraged, as he should be. And he sent out his troops, killed those murderers, and burned down their cities. Then he told his servants, listen, the banquet is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. (laughs) The king gets serious about this. And and, and Jesus' listeners have to be sitting there going, who's going to refuse a king? But that's his point. And we'll get to that. But that's the point he's making. How ridiculous would it be to refuse the king? And, And even to add insult to injury or stupidity on layers of stupidity, to kill his servants when all he's doing is inviting you to a, to a feast. But that's Jesus' point. Who would go about and do this? Who would, who would treat the people this way? So verses 9 and 10, Jesus goes on to say, go then. Go out to the main roads. Go out to the roads that leave the city. Go out where the, where the, where the bad people hang out. Go out where the unacceptables hang out. 
and invite those to the wedding feast, as many as you can find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found. And it's so great that Matthew includes those words, both bad and good. He didn't go out and go, you, you, mm, mm, yeah, you, you. That's not what he did. He goes, everybody. Everybody, sorry, Brandon, I pointed right at you and shook my head. <laughs> I'll come over here. But he just says everybody, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. Everybody come. After the king, it's interesting. I don't know if the, I mean, like I said, I know it's a story, but just bear with me. Imagine those people who are now getting the invitation. I wonder if they heard about what happened to those people who refused the king. Yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> I'll be there. What time? I'll be there early. But the people are ready to go because the, the king has said, come to the banquet. And, and this at this point is a very human story. I mean, at this point, I think we can all relate. I think we can all kind of look at the king and go, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of rage going on there between him and the people who killed his servants. But I think we can understand up to this point. I think this is a very understandable parable. Until we get to here, because now we have an incident. Look at verse 11. Beginning in verse 11, it says, When the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed for a wedding. So he said to him, Friend, how'd you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless, had no response. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him up hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. King comes in to see his guests and he sees a guy who's not dressed appropriately, not dressed for the event. And he doesn't say, sir, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. He says, tie this guy up and throw him out. At the end of World War II, the story is told of the Soviets trying to kind of tie up relationships with the U.S. and primarily with Great Britain, and they had a banquet. And they invited Winston Churchill to come to this banquet. And it was supposed to be a big deal. All the, all the Russian uh, higher-ups were all dressed in military regalia. But Churchill had the idea that it might be kind of cool to show up wearing the zip-up coveralls that he wore a lot during World War II, appearing in front of his people to show that he's one of the guys, you know, that he, he thought, you know, for the, for the Russians, that might be a nostalgic connection that they'd go, oh, yeah, that's, that's how he stood with his people. They didn't think it was funny. They thought it was insulting. Why? Because he's a head of state, and they invite him to this big banquet that's supposed to be a thing that's going to help our relationships moving forward, and he shows up in coveralls. And it's a, it, it, it's a humorous picture, but you can kind of get it. I mean, there's got to be some advisor that had to be fired that day. I mean, how do you let him go out the door wearing that? But see, that, that's the point is that there's supposed to be, you're supposed to be dressed a certain way. You're supposed to be, you're supposed to honor the, the one who invites you by how you wear or by, by what you wear. 
wearing the right clothes to an occasion is important. I mean, that's not something we get culturally. I mean, obviously, this is not what I wear every day. But this is a different thing, right? But when you think about a big event like a wedding, what we have to understand is that neglecting wearing the proper attire can be insulting. Imagine if, let's say, you have a friend who's looking for a job. And you get him an interview at your company with your boss. And this, this could be the thing that really helps him out. And dude shows up in shorts and t-shirts and, and flip-flops. How does that make you look? You're like, I don't know this guy. This is not my friend. I mean, that's appropriate dress for some situations. I get it. But not in that situation. There is proper attire for certain situations. And especially something that's formal, something that is a big deal. There are expectations. Now, a lot of people get hung up right here and go, well, wait a minute. This guy, how's he supposed to have the right clothes? I mean, they went out in the streets, right? They went and got street urchins and they got people who didn't have. Why is the king holding this guy to this standard? Well, here's something maybe you don't know that isn't in our story. It's one of those cultural things in that day. And in some cultures still today, if a king or if a high official invites you to something and you don't have the proper attire, they'll give it to you. They'll provide it for you. Have you ever been to a restaurant? I never have. But have you ever been to a restaurant that's like a coat and tie restaurant? You don't have a tie and they'll give you one to put on? I've always wanted to go to a place like that someday. But that's the idea. That if, if you show up and you don't have the proper clothes, the king will say, there's go over here. They'll, they'll put your clothes. This guy just said, nah, I'm not going to do it. I don't need that. So the king is furious. Now, see, this is such a human reaction. I want to go to the banquet. I want to be there. But I want to go how I want to go. I'm dressed. It's good enough for me. It should be good enough for you. But what's the king's response? That's not good enough. That's not that's not what I asked for. I gave you something. I gave you an, another option and you rejected it. So the king doesn't say, sir, you're going to have to leave. He says, tie him up and throw him out. Because it's a big deal. Now, let's, let's, let's be clear. We're not, we're not talking about clothes here. I mean, we are to the, so far in the story a little bit. But that's not what we're talking about. Um, maybe that's a, maybe it's a discussion for another time, but n not right now. So let's talk about what does this have to do with hope? What does this, what does this parable have to do with grace? Well, let's look now for the last couple minutes here and let's look at some lessons that I think we can take from this parable. When we summarize this whole thing, what, what we're seeing here, here's the backstory. The Jewish people were God's chosen people, right? They, they were the people that God, they didn't win anything. They didn't earn anything. God just said, these are my people. And I'm going to show the world, I'm going to show humanity what it means to have a relationship with me through these people. And they were, they were blessed. That doesn't mean God hated everybody else. Doesn't mean God mistreated everybody else. In fact, he told the Jews, you be a light to the other, other nations. 
But the Jews had a tendency, like all of us, to want to do what they wanted to do. They had a tendency to want to be like everybody else. So what did God do? Over and over and over, God sent prophets. Come back to me. Don't live this way. Don't follow those people. Come back to me. All through the, the, the latter part of the Old Testament, even into the New Testament, John the Baptist, Jesus himself, and all of God's spokesmen were rejected. So what God does is he opens the invitation to everyone. He opens everything up to the whole world. Now, <clears throat> when we think about this, we think about this whole idea. It's easy for us, I think, maybe it's just easy for me, to, to at this point to be just like, that's, that's good. I'm glad God did that. You know, that there were those, those Jews, they misbehaved over and over, and God said, I, I tried with you, but now because you people won't, won't accept Jesus, I'm going to reject, I'm not going to reject you, but I'm going to open it up for everybody else. And it's easy for me to sit there and think, well, that's, that's good, because I'm one of those people, right? I'm one of those people that it's now open for. I'm a Gentile. So I'm excited about all that. And I think of this picture of this wedding feast, and, and I think, well, that's, that's good. And, I, you know, that's a great story. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm this guy right here. You know, I'm sitting there at the table. So it's easy for me to kind of pat myself on the back and go, yeah, I'm not like those Jews, those old scribes and Pharisees that rejected Jesus. And it's easy for us to do that until we look at that guy without the right clothes. See, when we look at that, you get this nagging feeling that this is about a little bit more. You kind of get that feeling that this is a little bit more, about a little bit more than just believing in Jesus and outright rejecting Jesus. You get the feeling, and I believe it's the idea in this parable, that this is more about just believing in who Jesus is and being a follower of Jesus. That this is more about the difference between accepting Jesus or whatever term is used religiously and really serving our Lord. This is the difference between going to church and being the church. Because what Jesus is going to say here is that even those sitting around the table have expectations in order to accept that grace. So when we look at this parable, let's back up here. Number one, the first lesson that we see here is this invitation is extended to everyone. And again, that's super important for us that it didn't, ever, that it didn't just stay with the Jews because I'm going to guess none of us in here would be accepted. This was important for God to open the door for all of us. Jesus says in John 7, 37, anyone who is thirsty, come to me and let him drink. That is Jesus's mantra. That becomes the, the, the actual notion that the apostles take out from Jerusalem. And you see it in, in, in Acts where they go from, from Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the world, the ends of the earth. Jesus said, whoever wants to come, come and drink. Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 and 6, that this initial invitation was for Israel. 
It, it, it was theirs. They had it. See, when you think about that idea, let me go back to this notion of the prophets. When you read through how the prophets were treated throughout the Old Testament, you read some of the extra biblical stories of how the Jews rejected the prophets moving into the New Testament. What happened to John the Baptist? The one who was preparing the way for the Messiah. Beheaded. Jesus himself, as one bringing a, the, the message from God, the logos, the word of God, God in the flesh. And Jesus knows he's going to be killed, the ultimate rejection. And because of that, the offer goes out to everyone. In fact, in Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13, verse 46 Paul and Barnabas are, 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 are talking to the, to the church there in Antioch, to those who are listening there. Paul and Barnabas boldly replied, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you, he's talking to Jews, to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we are turning to the Gentiles. Because they rejected it, the offer was open to everyone. In the late 90s, a young lady named Nicole Contos kind of got her 15 minutes of fame. In fact, she's kind of launched off that. She's become a successful businesswoman. But the reason she kind of hit the headlines is because her family was kind of a socialite family, well-known family in Manhattan. And she had this huge wedding planned. $65,000 wedding followed up by what some say was maybe up to a $200,000 reception. And guess who didn't show up? That's the Daily News. This is a series of headlines. They found her husband in Tahiti vacationing with someone else. And then, I love this one, meet the jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just like to be that guy. But here's what she did. She realizes this isn't going to happen, that the jerk's off somewhere else. He's in Tahiti. She doesn't know that yet, but she knows he's not showing. His response, by the way, when he was asked about why he didn't show, his response was, well, she should have called. Huh. I wouldn't stand near that guy. <laughs> but her response was, she took, changed out of her wedding gown, put on a simple black dress, and made an announcement. She said, well, the party is ready. Let's have a party. And they opened the doors to whoever was passing by. Her brother, in fact, set it up with the DJ guy. He, he made a toast and then got his sister and went out, went out to dance to Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive. <laughs> it's a great picture. But, but what did she do? She was rejected. And she said, everything's ready. Let's have a party. That's what the king does. That's what God did. You, I gave this to you people. This, this, was, this was yours for the taking. And you rejected it. So everybody come in. So everyone now is welcome. 
which means, and let's go back to what he says there about the bad and the good. This means everyone is invited. It doesn't mean everybody gets in. We'll get to that. But he says everyone is invited. The, the, the good and the bad, the, the, the rich, the poor, the drug addict, the socialite, the whatever, the Clint Davisons. We all are invited. No matter what you've done, no matter where you are, where you are in life, God says this invitation is for you. It's there. The doors are open. That's what grace is. That God calls you where you are and invites you to something far better that you do not deserve. So the invitation was then extended to everyone. But what we see next is a total response. And I mean total response to that invitation is incredibly crucial. <clears throat> I don't know which translations. I don't know if the ESV uses the expression make light. The Christian standard doesn't use that. But that's the idea. Is that people were given an invitation, responded to it, said, yes, I'll be there. But then that initial or that final today's the day. They made that into a joke. The idea of the term made light of. Here's a definition for that word. The word means neglect to be unconcerned about someone or something. In fact, it's the same word that's used in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3 says, How will we escape if we make light, if we neglect such a great salvation? That's a scary thought, isn't it? I mean, when you put it in that context in Hebrews, to make light of our salvation. But that's what Jesus is saying. That those people who had it neglected it. Man, the Jews were in. The, the Jews had the first invitation. They, they, all, all they had to do was do what God asked them to do, and they were in. But they made light of the invitation because it wasn't a priority. They made light of God's invitation to come into his kingdom because they wanted to wear what they wanted to wear. They wanted a Messiah that was what they wanted. They didn't want a way in a manger. You know, they didn't want a little town of Bethlehem. They wanted David. They wanted the throne. They wanted to wear what they wanted to wear. So when we think about today... I think we can look at that that reminds, reminds us, reminds me of those who just have no time for spiritual matters. Maybe not hostility toward spiritual things, but just indifference. I just don't want to know about any of that stuff. It just isn't important to me. See, and it's, it's important that we understand that when Jesus says that they were unworthy... It wasn't because of any of their qualities. It wasn't because of any, any of their, anything about them. It wasn't that the Gentiles were better people than the Jews. When Paul and Barnabas say that, that, the, that you're being rejected because you're, you've considered yourself. What, what was it that caused them to consider themselves unworthy? They made the choice to reject what God offered. 
the worthy unworthy isn't about me. God doesn't consider me worthy. You know who he considers worthy? Jesus. So I've wrapped myself up in Jesus. The Jews' stubborn attitude, the Jews' refusal to obey, that's what made them unworthy. So for us Christians, when we think about that, what made the Jews unworthy is them wanting to have a righteousness of their own. So we have to ask ourselves, are we responding to that invitation all the time? I don't mean once. I don't mean the initial response. I mean, are we, are we responding to God's invitation to be dressed properly all the time? Do we still have the same love for God and for his people that we once had? Or is that kind of faded? Do we still have the same desire to serve and, and, and to work at whatever needs to be done with, within the kingdom? Or are we kind of backing away? Are we kind of indifferent about that? We may find ourselves making light of the invitation that God has, the invitation that God's extended. You see, what makes a per person worthy or unworthy, the same as it always has, is your willingness to commit your life to God all the time. Not just once. Once happens. That, that moment of initial commitment where you're immersed into Christ, that's, that's vital, important, can't do without it. But it doesn't end there. And that's, that's where we need to go next. See, th this grace is, is a beautiful invitation. And, and the response to it is absolutely vital. But it's also continual. See, here's, here's the big one. Just because it's grace, the, this invitation we receive is God's grace, just because it's that doesn't eliminate the standards of entering or of staying. Because, see, that's where the parable gets, gets scary, is with the guy who's already in. <clears throat> when he finds this guy not wearing the proper garment. Again, what that tells us is the man made no effort to conform to the king's wishes. He just wanted to be there. He wanted to eat. He wanted to have the hors d'oeuvres. He wanted to have the oyster platter. He wanted to have, probably not a Jewish thing. But he, he wanted to have, he wanted to eat. He wanted to eat, drink, and be merry, like Dave said. But he didn't want to conform to what the king said he was supposed to do. He wanted what he wanted for himself. Romans chapter 6, Paul says these words. This, this is such a great passage. What should we say then? Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. Let me read that again. Should we continue to wear the clothes we showed up in the banquet in so that grace may abound? Absolutely not. How can he who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Verse, verse 4 says this, Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that 
just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. See, we can't keep our old clothes on. We can't just show up at the banquet and wear what we, what we were wearing when we got there. And again, I'm not talking about your clothes. I'm talking about your, your attitudes and your heart. It's, it's putting off that old man and putting on the new to take on this new life that we have in Christ. We're not, we're not talking about perfect people. But we're talking about people who have a new approach to life, a, a new holiness, a new idea about righteousness, a, a new idea about my attitudes toward my brothers and sisters. We can't just keep going in our own clothes. We can't just keep on the same attitudes. We can't just keep on the same thoughts, desires that we had before we came to the banquet. In verse 14, Jesus says, basically he says everybody's invited, but not everybody's going to end up at the table. Well, why is that? Is that God's fault? You know, a, a lot of times when, when we start talking with people, we start talking about what God asks us to do in order to accept this invitation of grace. People say, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to be a person who comes to church all the time. I'm just not me. Is that God's fault? That God says, Here, here's the clothes, just put them on. And you can stay as long as you want. Being a part of this kingdom means that you're dressed the way God wants you to dress. Now, listen, I'm not talking again. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm not talking about being sanctimonious or self-righteous. That's exactly the opposite of what God wants. I'm talking about being people who are clothed in the garment that is provided by the king. Put on the new man. Put on these. Paul talks about that in Colossians. He talks about that in Galatians. Put on these new attitudes because you're in Christ, because you've seen what an incredible invitation this is. Just change your clothes. Be who God tells you to be. See, the door is open to everyone. But you got to put off, take off the old clothes and you got to put on the new clothes in order to stay at the banquet. So the, the invitation, the, the invitation is, is to everyone. That's, that's what hope is. That's, that's the hope that we can offer to anyone you talk to. We're, we're doing this evangelism class in, in, the, in, the fellowship, in the remote service on Sunday or Wednesday night. I taught the high school class last Wednesday night. Same type stuff, talking about what, what do you tell people? I mean, so many people want to jump to, well, you guys do this, you guys believe this. Just say, mm, stop all that. Look at this invitation God gives you. Look at what God offers. And all he says is change clothes. Grace is the invitation. And it's an invitation that's available to everyone, but it's also a responsibility. And, and we get that in every aspect of life. If, if you get something in the mail that, asks, that invites you to join Costco, 
Do you walk into Costco and just go, I believe I'm a Costco member? <laughs> I see, we laugh at that. Do you join the YMC? You just walk in and go, I'm going to take a jump in the pool. Are you a member? Yeah, well, I believe I am. <laughs> They'll tie you up like this guy, tie you up and throw you up. It's a responsibility to look at the terms of that invitation and just say, I, I can't miss this banquet. I, I, there's no way I'm missing. What do I have to do? I don't earn anything. I didn't earn that invitation. God just sent it to me. I had a friend. I still have a friend. We haven't talked much in the last several years in Oklahoma. That when he was a kid, his mom made some really bad choices. And she had an affair. Her, her and his dad divorced. And then she kind of went off the rails even more. And, and she kind of disappeared out of his life until mid-high school. And neither of us were the brightest individuals. But I, I, he, he told me about this conversation he had with his mom. Because she showed up finally and apologized and wanted to make, make amends. And they, they have a decent relationship now. But she, you know, she said, I'm sorry. I, I, I want you to forgive me. And, and my buddy told her this. And I don't know how, if, what, if he said this verbatim, but this is what he told me. He said, you know, I've already forgiven you. I've just been waiting for you to show back up because you know what you've missed out on is you've missed out on me. You missed out on me. That's what God says when he offers that invitation. People reject it. People refuse it. I don't, I don't want to change clothes. I like what I'm wearing. I like who I am. I don't want all that church business. God says, you're missing out on me. I'll, I'll forgive you. Show up. I'll forgive you. It's done. That's been taken care of. Just show up because you're missing out on God. So the question is, are you dressed? You know, Galatians 3, 26 and 27 says that, that through faith, we're, we're made right with God. We do that by, by our faith. We're baptized into Christ. The, the verse even uses the words, then we're clothed with Christ. And at that point, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male. We're all the same because we're in Christ. But you have to be clothed with Christ. And the verse even says, again, Galatians 3, 26, 27, the way you're clothed with Christ is through immersion. If you haven't done that, why not? I mean, that, it's not even the fine print. I mean, it's, it, that's the only print. Here's your invitation. Here's how you get in. Now clothe yourself the way I ask you to be clothed. Maybe that's where you are this morning. If, if, if you want to talk about that, let's talk about that today. But let me ask you this too. For those of you who are in Christ, Revelation chapter 19, being in verse 7, talking about the bride of Christ. That's, that's us, by the way. That's us, church. Verse 7, Revelation 19 says, Let us be glad, rejoice, and give Him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has prepared herself. She was given fine linen to wear, bright and pure. For the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. Now, don't, don't hear righteous and think that means, again, don't hear sanctimonious or ultra whatever. Righteous means you're right with God. 
So let me ask you, Christians, are you dressed? Are you dressed for the king? Because that invitation that Jesus is talking about, that was rejected by the Jews, that was then extended to all of us, that same invitation from 2,000 years ago is yours today. God just says, come in and be dressed the way I ask you to dress. And if that means putting Christ on in baptism and being clothed with Christ, like Paul said in Galatians 3, you can do that this morning. Or maybe it is you, you are a Christian. Maybe you've changed back into your old clothes and you want to put those righteous acts, those righteous being right with God, doing what God wants you to do. Put those things back on. You can do that this morning. We'll stand in a minute. You come up here. If you want to pray together, we'll pray about it. Whatever we can do for you, if there's something that you want to share publicly, let us know while together we stand and sing.